I'm Brian Watley with Double Creek Ranch in Kildare, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it is hot outside and that sunshine is beating down hard. Farmers and ranchers need to protect themselves from this high Texas heat and sunshine. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's one thing we can already say about this growing season in the Texas High Plains. Thanks to all the rain we received early on, there's been a bumper crop of weeds. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. For most farmers on the Texas Rolling Plains, an above average winter wheat harvest was just completed. The quality was also extremely good. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from a farmer from that region of the state straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The high temperatures are back this week with triple-digit heat in the forecast for much of Texas. But all of that sunlight is dangerous for farmers and ranchers who spend a lot of time in it. Dr. Ashley Sturgeon is a dermatologist in Lubbock, and she's the wife of a cotton farmer. So my favorite thing is protective gear. I think that it's really cumbersome for folks who are in the sun all the time to have to worry about sunscreen. The very best thing, I think, are these UV protective factor shirts, wide brim hats. And of course, sunscreen is a must for farmers. My husband puts on a cream-based sunscreen SPF 30 or better, broad spectrum, every morning before he leaves the house anywhere that's sun exposed. Using different modalities of sunscreen are really helpful for farmers because they don't want something that's going to get dirt stuck in it and be really greasy and things like this. So sometimes it is worth it to pay a little more for a more elegant sunscreen. Dr. Sturgeon says the best sunscreen is the one that you'll use. So pick the one you're most comfortable with. Texas corn and sorghum acreage is up this year, while cotton acreage is down. USDA's planted acreage report released last week shows a 16% increase in Texas corn acreage this year at 2.5 million acres. Harvested acreage is expected to be 2.2 million acres, up 37%. Texas sorghum acreage is also higher this year, with farmers planting 1.9 million acres, up 34% from a year ago. Texas is the largest cotton-producing state in the nation, but cotton acreage is taking a drop this year. Upland cotton acreage is down 22%, with farmers planting 6.1 million acres. 
Pima cotton acreage is expected to total 17,000 acres, down 48% from last year. I'm Bethany Adcock on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Biden administration is not giving up on its Waters of the U.S. rule, even after the Supreme Court in May struck down the rule's cornerstone significant nexus test. The Environmental Protection Agency and Army Corps of Engineers insist they can still implement the bulk of their WOTUS rule, according to National Cattlemen's Beef Association's chief counsel, Mary Thomas Hart. The EPA and Army Corps of Engineers um, have now said that they believe they can make some small adjustments to the existing WOTUS definition and basically give us a direct final rule that will comply with this Supreme Court standard without going through notice and comment rulemaking. A coalition of groups has asked a federal district court in Texas to strike down the Biden-WOTUS rule nationwide. The huge rainfall over the Texas High Plains this spring has brought in a bumper crop of weeds. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Kevin Heflin is an agronomy program specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife. He spends a lot of his time helping Texas High Plains farmers with something that has become a huge challenge this season, fighting weeds. Here's one bit of advice from Dr. Heflin. When you're going on the offensive with a herbicide application, plan on using at least 15 gallons per acre. A lot of times producers will hit the fields with 8 to 10 gallons per acre you know, as an application volume because it takes less water and you can cover more area faster. And when you're seeing this amount of weed pressure, uh, I think one of the best things that can be done is slow down, add, you know, water is essentially free in your tank mix. It's the cheapest part of of your tank mix and apply at at least 15 gallons per acre so that you can ensure you're getting good coverage because uh, oftentimes right now they're spraying weeds that are larger than the label recommends and you can still get good control of it but you've got to have the volume to make sure you're coating the weeds effectively and getting all the weeds that are out there not just you know some of the big ones. Dr. Heflin says the most effective control can be achieved when weeds are between two to four inches tall. Well, unfortunately, a lot of weeds out in the fields right now are much bigger than that, but here's why that standard is a good one to keep in mind. In my research trials where we do herbicide efficacy trials, I have never seen a resistance issue or a weed that couldn't be killed at the two to four inch stage. Once again, that was Dr. Kevin Heflin with the Texas A&M AgriLife Center in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Rolling Plains had a decent wheat crop this year. Tom Nicoletti checks in with one producer who had an above-average crop. My guest today is Michael White. He is a uh, farmer who uh, raises wheat and other crops uh, in Wilbarger County on the Texas Rolling Plains. And uh, Michael, you just finished uh, your season's wheat harvest. How did it go there uh, for you in in your region? Yes, Tom, we had an above-average wheat crop there this year in our area in Wilbarger County. There were some producers probably that would say if you were on the western edge of the county, it it was not quite that average. But probably central part of the county to the eastern part of the county was definitely an average to above average crop. There were some actually some 50, 60 bushel wheat cut there in that area. A lot of 40 to 45 bushel wheat, which was really impressive for the for the dry year that we came through. March and April kind of turned it around for us. How was the quality of the wheat that you harvested? Quality was really good. Uh, I mean, I heard of protein levels that you know that exceeded where we needed to be on that level. 
test weight 60-61, which is good for us. So uh, I think overall, I think it's going to be a, a, an exceptional uh, wheat harvest for the for our part of the rolling plains. Now, do you uh, usually rely on custom harvesters from the northern states to come in and harvest, or what's your uh, management style? Yes, yeah, we do. Our area basically is just, you know, we're, we're usually busy either cutting alfalfa hay or planting cotton during this time it's pretty difficult to, to to do all of the things that you need to do on all the parts as far as harvesting wheat so we usually hire outside harvesters we went through a time there that a lot of the harvesters had quit coming but that seems to have picked that back up this year we we, we had an exceptional crew come in this year and and get the crop out on, on a real reasonable time that is rolling plains farmer michael white i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network Central Texas had some great spring weather, but the summer is setting in, temperatures are hot, and it's getting dry quickly. For an update, we go to Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco, and Shane, it has gone from a pleasant spring to a hot, humid summer in a hurry there in Central Texas. Yes, sir. Just some drastic changes kind of in the weather. This seems like anything we do weather-related the last couple of years, it's one extreme to the other. Lately, it's been the heat and humidity, primarily humidity. I've talked to some old-timers that have said it's the worst humidity they've ever seen in their lifetime. Just day after day of extreme humidity, you go outside and you're just instantly soaked. A lot of our crops are burning down, drying out just from sun. Not a lot of cloud cover. Corn is really dried down fast. Wheat is, has been harvested, grain, sorghum, cotton, and the corn being the, the major crops that are out of the field right now. We've got a few soybeans around, but all of them are suffering a little bit from the just, just hot and, and the humidity. Well, Shane, is that affecting grazing conditions in pastures as well? The grazing conditions are better than, than I would expect them to be. Those rains that we received in the month of April and into May it really helped carry our grass into the, the hot part of the of the year. We, did, we didn't have a lot of grazing early on, and then we got all those rains. We couldn't get into pastures to cut hay, and then now it's got a lot of grass. Quality's still good. All the, the cool season annuals are dried down, and our warm season forages are all fairly strong and looking good. They're, they are going to need a rain, as are our crops, here in the near future. Well, Shane, I know hay was in short supply last summer. How are things looking this summer with the spring rains that you got? Most producers have cut at least once. Few have cut twice. The hay market right now is kind of deceiving because we received all that rain, but we couldn't get into the fields to cut hay because it would just stay wet or you couldn't cut and let it dry. And then we finally got a cutting and then the, the water shut off to say that it just clear raining. But again, we're going to need some more water later on and Hay prices is still elevated. People are expecting it to come down once we started cutting some hay. It's been dry in a large part of Texas. That's driving that that hay price. Is just there's not a lot of hay in storage, and people are trying to rebound from extremely dry year last year and put some hay back. And it's it's going to take several cuttings over time, and we're going to have to have more rain to, to get to where we need to be in in the hay field. How about silage? You seeing a lot of corn chop for silage this year in McLennan County? Yes, sir. And with the heat that we've had the last week and days, really dry down the corn crop. We've got a really pretty corn crop this year. Tall plant, a lot of leaf, good fill on the ears. And we could have used a little extra rain about a week ago to help fill out some of those kernels. The guys that are in the solid shopping business, green shop, whatever you want to call it, they've been hustling hard trying to, to get that crop out as the corn has been drying down. A lot of tonnage, a lot of volume silage. It's going to be a high quality feed for whoever gets it for sure. Thanks, Shane. That's Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco. 
feral hog management, communicating the value of hunting, and a private land solution to endangered ocelots in Texas will be discussed at the upcoming Private Land Summit in San Antonio. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And 12 horses have died in a recent 30-day period at Churchill Downs in Kentucky. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Twelve horses have died in a recent 30-day period at Church Hill Downs in Kentucky. Dr. Bob Judd says there is still not a pattern to connect those deaths. It was reported in the American Association of Equine Practitioners newsletter that an emergency summit was held by the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority, or HISA, and they concluded that there was no obvious or specific pattern for the 12 horses that died over a month period at Churchill Downs. However, they did impose additional layers of review for entries and handling breakdown injuries. Due to the seriousness of this issue, this is the first-of-a-kind meeting between HISA veterinarians and the vets at the Kentucky Racing Commission and Churchill Downs to review the fatalities and track policies. Rio Moon is one of the horses that fractured a leg over the last month and was euthanized, and his trainer, Dale Romans, indicated that the Kentucky State Racing Commission is scrutinizing the horses like never before. He goes on to say that it's never been like this, and this is what makes it so odd that we are having this problem because we are doing more than we've ever done to make sure the horses are safe. HISA also commissioned an independent study of the Churchill Downs racetrack itself, and this is being performed by Dennis Moore, who is a longtime track superintendent from California. Churchill Downs has announced several changes aimed at weeding out unsound entries, and one change is limiting the horse to race only four times, and only the top five finishers can collect purse money. HISA's Director of Equine Safety will conduct an additional screening of all entries to try and identify horses that may be at increased risk of injury. Samples will be analyzed from all horses that die at the track, and equine forensic specialists will review all necropsies on deceased horses. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Private Lands Summit is coming up soon in San Antonio. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Landowners from across Texas will gather in San Antonio in a few days to learn more about managing feral hogs and other issues. The Texas Wildlife Association's annual Private Land Summit, which is part of their annual convention, will be held Thursday, July 13th at the JW Marriott in San Antonio. Andrew Earle, TWA's Director of Conservation, joins us with more. 
This year's theme is Innovative Solutions to Complex Conservation Challenges. We're going to have panel discussions on all things from feral hog management and ocelot recovery to workforce development and responsible energy development. The program is going to close that afternoon with the East Foundation's three-minute thesis competition. So they're going to have graduate students up there on stage distilling their research work down into three-minute speeches, and that'll be voted on, and then a big check will be given out at the end of the day. There will also be a presentation on the Respect Big Bend Coalition and how to avoid conflict through collaboration. There will be a presentation on communicating the value of hunting in the context of food security, health, and cultural identity as well. And there will be a presentation on how Texas A&M's Natural Resource Institute, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and others are changing how they recruit, train, and retain up-and-coming professionals. Registration for the Private Lands Summit and the TWA Convention is underway now. Cost for the summit alone is $150. You can register at texas-wildlife.org. That is texas-wildlife.org. Click the link at the top of the page that says Wildlife Convention. Again, the Private Lands Summit is July 13th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. We'll look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was an up and down day for the cattle market on Wednesday, trading both sides of unchanged. However, on the close, we ended with both live and feeder cattle in the red. August live cattle dropped $1.87, $174.95. The October down $1.45 at $177.87. December live cattle down $1.22 at $182.20. Feeder cattle finishing lower. August feeders dropped 320, 244.70. September feeders down 322 at 248.15. October feeder cattle down 325 at 249.90. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef was mixed on Wednesday. Choice up 208 at 330.42. Select down 44 cents, 293.86. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry had a hot sale the last time they sold them before the holiday in San Angelo. Jody, how was it? I thought it turned out good uh, right here before the uh, vacation break and, and leading up to the holiday weekend. Uh, 600 head of cattle today. Quality overall, probably not quite as good as it was at last week's sale, uh, but these better qual- quality calves and yearlings sold about steady. Going from instances 2 to $4 lower on the very fleshiest end and some of those heavyweight fleshy yearling type cattle. Slaughtered cows and bulls continue to sell about steady. Very good demand for those heavyweight and high yielding slaughtered cows and bulls. Limited numbers of replacement cows like it has been continue to hold about steady. Steers, better quality steers, four to 600 pounds for 190, all the way up to a high of near 270, mostly 210 to 245. Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 185, 
all the way up to a high of 250, mostly $2 to 225. Chartered cows, average to high gilding, 77 to 97. Still several of the highest yielding chartered cows from 98 to a high of 108. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, just a few of those today from 50 to 75. Slaughter bulls, average to high yielding, 95 to 115. Most of your uh, high yielding bulls anywhere from 117 all the way to a high of 131. Bread cows did have one group of uh, kind of six and seven year old medium bread cows showed to be solid mouth. Uh, Kev in the fall brought $1,300 per head. Now we will not have sales this next week. That's right. No sheep sale on Tuesday. No cattle sale next Thursday. Off all next week. There is a feed crew there. There's somebody there 24 hours a day. Uh, the website lists that, that mobile number. We've got access to it. Call if you need anything over the holidays. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. 325-653-3371. That'd be the office number. Mobile phone 234-7895. Maybe that's it for the July the 4th edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Happy Independence Day. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big jump higher on Wednesday. July hogs up 345 at 101.27. August hogs up 312. 97.45. 97.45. Class 3 milk continues to fall lower. July milk down 11 cents, 14.04, 100 weight. The cotton market lower on Wednesday, post-holiday profit-taking, pushing prices lower. October cotton down 98 points at 81.58. December cotton down 118 points at 80.23. Corn market was steady to lower. July corn dropped 9 cents, 5.48 and a quarter. September corn down two and three quarters, 485 and a quarter, while December corn was unchanged at 493 and a half. The big action in the grain markets on Wednesday was in the wheat complex, both hard and soft wheat finishing sharply higher. Several factors contributing to those gains, including rain in Kansas, which will add to harvest delays and a dry seven day forecast for the northwestern plains and southern areas of the western Canadian prairies. September Kansas City wheat up 49 and three quarters, closing at 846 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat up 32 and a half, 674 and a quarter. In the energy markets, August natural gas down a nickel, 265. August West Texas crude up 221 at an even $72 a barrel. The financial markets were narrowly mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 101 points at 34,316. The NASDAQ up 2 at 13,818. The S&P down 3, 4,452. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.